Hi everyone and welcome to Spark Leadership. I'm Wendy Tsepiso-Maledu, a senior behavioral scientist at Coach Hub and the host of this show. I'm very excited about this week's episode because today I have the honor and privilege of speaking with Dr. Oleg Konovalov. Dr. Oleg Konovalov is a global thought leader, author, business educator, consultant, and C-suite coach. Dr. Oleg is named among the top eight global experts in leadership and shortlisted for the Distinguished Award in Leadership by Thinkers 50. He is on Global Guru's Top 30 in Leadership and has been recognized as number one global thought leader on culture by Thinkers 360. Having been named as the Da Vinci of Visionary Leadership by many leading authorities of our time, Dr. Oleg is helping companies to create and execute their vision, maintain a strong productive corporate culture, and achieve superior business performance. In his latest book, The Vision Code, Dr. Konovalov decodes what visionary leadership is and breaks down how to create and communicate a vision that will capture people's hearts and minds. We'll discuss his research, what it means to have future-focused leadership, and how to avoid leadership blindness. I am so humbled to have you on the show, Dr. Oleg. Thank you very much for inviting. Thank you. Oh, I am so delighted to truly have you on the show, Dr. Oleg. So as we know, one of the standing features of the show is that our guests share one interesting fun fact about themselves at the beginning, and we wrap up the show with future predictions. So let's start off. Can you please share with our listeners one interesting fun fact about yourself? You know, I have a very interesting background. I spent many years in the fishing industry. And I have gone from a second engineer on a deep-sea trawlers to a CEO position. Then I've gone into the consulting and uh, thought leadership. And one of the greatest lessons from the fishing industry is if you go for a fishing expedition, you must be really well prepared. You must do a lot of research. You must think many times what you will do, how you will do, what kind of a team or crew you'll have on board, because it's a lot of uncertainty involved in the fishing industry. And later I took it as a great lesson doing my research. If you want to come up with a great result, you must do a lot of preparationary work. And people usually don't understand this. They don't appreciate. Or even if I do coaching clients who are not just understand much at the very beginning, they're always curious because they're thinking that I'm coming for a meeting just spontaneously. I have everything in my head. They don't understand. And then later they reveal this, that to do a great work, you must do a lot of work before. That is indeed a fun, interesting fact we've learned from fishing industry and fishing expedition. Prepare, prepare, prepare like you do for coaching. So before we even go deep into the conversation, I'd like to, as I said, even to thank you and appreciate you for the amazing work you've done around the topic and the subject of leadership. I mean, it is phenomenal. I'm interested to know, though, what led you to the path of of the subject of leadership? Leadership. 
is totally about the future we create. And who takes responsibility leading people into that future? You see, these days we are betting too much on consensus. And it becomes exceptionally popular in corporations looking for consensus. We're looking for consensus when we don't know where to go. This is where leadership comes forward because it's about knowing where to lead people, how to lead people, how to be a model for them, how to inspire people. Without leadership, we're just a crowd. We're just disorganized team or dysfunctional team. Another thing is, why people need leaders? Because people need leaders' qualities to complement their qualities. They need leaders' competences to complement their own competences and become better. And leadership is critical, particularly in tough times like we're facing now because of COVID or many other things, because somebody will put firmly stake in the ground and say, hey, we're going that way, there is a solution. It's not about status. It's not about rank. It's about being fully accountable for a result of the promised future. And that was always inspiring for me, since I remember myself. Because at a certain point, I realized we're making a lot of mistakes. You know, today leaders, they have most common problem, which I call the mind luck. People tend to think mainly about their past. They think a little bit about the present and very little, or if none, about the future. But leadership is about the future. And many leaders tend to lead their teams into their past. Like hamsters in a wheel, they're repeating the same old mistakes. They're nagging about problems. They're not good at finding solutions and they're not encouraging their teams to find those solutions or most effective solutions. And I just said to myself, no, 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 no. Stop it. It's wrong way. We must find a clear path into that future. Therefore, I'm prepared to go deep into uncharted waters, fathom them, and explore what is a true leadership or future-focused leadership. I love what you just said there, Dr. Oleg, when you say that leadership is about the future we want to create and that most leaders, they lead people from their past versus from, you know, telling them about the future. You asked a very powerful question. People want to know where are we going, right? Absolutely. Where are we going? If we can answer the question, where are we going? And really, how do you lead people to where you're going and let people to see that? I guess then this conversation lead us to, you know, the, the conversation around the book you wrote Vision Code, which is what we will be delving into. So, I mean, a lot of leadership development practices, uh, Dr. Oleg, we often say that vision is central to leadership, if I may say it in that way. And the statement, you know, it's found in walls of the companies or whatever it is, it's written everywhere. Did the statement inspire the book Vision Code? Or please share with us, how did the book Vision Code come about? Actually, vision itself is far not as simple as a statement because a plaque on a wall is a promise that never will be fulfilled. And vision, which 
became some kind of a known um, that people are coining without even a slightest understanding of a value of it. And because it became, yeah, I need to have a vision. And what? Can you tell me how to do it? No. And it took me quite a lot of hard work to decode or break that code of vision. How to create it? What is vision in fact? How to execute it? How to grow as a visionary leader? Because, again, it's not just an empty word. It's a whole lot different universe that we are creating because we're talking about the future which would be different, but how to define it, how to see vision as something certain in a world of uncertainty. Therefore, it can't be just a statement on the wall. Vision is tremendously inspirational, not just for us, but for the next generation and generation after. It can be passed as a legacy in a normal human life or as a legacy to the next generation of leaders or managers or workers in a corporate world. Because it's inspiring, it's relevant, it's big, it's bigger than an organization itself. It's one side of the story. Another side of the story, when you clearly know where to go and what kind of a future you're creating, it's very easy to capitalize on it. And uh, in practical terms, what I have found that companies with a strong vision are 15-30% higher in their capitalization and so more effective comparing to organizations with just a great product. So it has a tremendous emotional power. It has tremendous power in terms of effectiveness or magnitude. So it has many different facets. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Dr. Oleg. Thanks for sticking around with me. The key thing that stood out for me so far is that vision must be inspirational. It must be relevant. It must be generational. It must speak to the future of where we're going. But many of our listeners might be thinking, vision, dream, goal, what's the difference? If you think about Martin Luther King and his famous speech, was that a vision, a goal, or a dream? So I asked Dr. Oleg to clarify the difference. Wendy, that's a very important question. Vision is our aspiration for a future that we strive to make a reality today. Yet we could look at it from a different angle. We're creating a different little planet being here and now. And we're inviting people to be there because they will draw a value for themselves out of it. And as I mentioned, it could be shared as a legacy. Goal is something finite. So I have a goal to do something within a year or two, and when it's reached, it's okay, it's done. For instance, if we talk about Martin Luther King or we talk about Nelson Mandela, we are remembering their visions. But we don't know about their goals because the goals are purely there at a particular stage or phase of development. And then we have a mission statement. More or less, it's our promise to community that we will behave in a certain way. And if you are not clear on those things, you are misled. 
Because another thing is, you would not build your strategy around mission statement. You wouldn't be creating a strong strategy around your goal because you would end up in a dead end. But without vision, your strategy is a bridge to nowhere. You don't know where to go. You're just creating something which is very expensive but misleading. (laughs) That's a little difference. Ah, you've said them so profoundly so, Doc. I've just had a light bulb moment. You know those moments where you're like, ding, oh, Uh now I know. (laughs) Really, and that is a funny moment because, you see, we could write a statement, pay $100 for any blogger who is good at wordsmithing, and he will craft you, I don't know, a fancy statement. But your vision comes from your deepest aspirations, what kind of a difference you want to make to people, and therefore it grows powerful. And that's when you say the light bulb moment, that means your aspirations are suddenly, hey, you could listen to us, get us. Hundred percent. I'm schooled. I'm an inch taller with, with knowledge now, with just this conversation. So, Dr. Let's shift gears now. We've already said that organizations write their vision statements. They have it on the company profile. Um, Maybe a leader out there has written the vision, but how can a vision be shared or communicated? Because I think, let's say we have the ideal world. Let's work with the ideal world. It's, It's the vision that has all the elements that you have decoded through your book. And we're excited about it. And I got it. How do we communicate it? How can people communicate the vision? The first aim of communication is to make others the co-owners of vision. We don't communicate just for for the sake of talking, right? The reason is to make others the co-owners of that vision and so strong supporters. And in this sense, you can't just talk as a talking head, you know, all the time. You must be very clear what you do, how to get to conscious and unconscious minds of people and reach their hearts. And it's very simple. Well, yet yet not simple to do. Uh, we communicate facts, but we share emotions and stories. When you talk about something, when you talk about your vision, when you communicate it, it must be a very simple. So you could communicate it to a 10 years old boy or in a best test scenario, your colleagues should be good at communicating your vision to their 10 years old, right? And you must communicate facts and share emotions. Then you could reach both, say, conscious and unconscious minds. For instance, we have such and such problem that affects so many people's lives. And, uh, of course, what we would feel if we would solve that problem or what people, what kind of pain people are facing and what kind of a difference we could make. And when we could make both, we're getting people on board. And then the next phase would be people should clearly understand that they are the beneficiaries of a result of that vision and not in some kind of a very remote future, but at every stage of its development. So... I will put it in a simple way. 
make people the co-owners of vision by showing them that they're getting a value for themselves at every stage of it and talk them in a way that they know facts and they are fully involved in creation of that story because people want to be the heroes of that stories. I actually love that question around, you know, does your vision speak to people's hearts? Right. I think you kind of just nailed it to there. And can you communicate it to a 10-year-old? <laughs> I think it's just, you know, as as basic, as simple as that, you know, can it be easily communicated? Dr. Oleg, you made a very loaded statement, and I'd like you to repeat that statement before we move forward. You said something about vision must be communicated, facts and stories. Stories are shared, visions are communicated. I really would like you to repeat that statement because it's loaded. We communicate facts, but we share stories and emotions. And that's important to interweave in your messaging. We communicate facts, but we share stories and emotions. That's it. That is lovely. So as we move along in our conversation, I wanted to touch on another concept that Dr. Oleg frequently talks about, and that is leadership blindness. I was intrigued to hear this word and asked Dr. Oleg to explain what leadership blindness is. It was shocking truth when I analyzed my data and all those things around this research around vision, I realized that less than 0.1% of modern leaders have vision. More or less, they don't know where they're leading people. They are blind as leaders. They're talking financial period reports, bottom lines, their ideas. Oh, we want to be number one in the industry. Who cares about that? Because you want to be famous, but what about people? What would be value for them? I don't need a leader who would be keeping me in that endless loop of the same problems. I need a leader who would lead me to a brighter future, who would make me stronger, who would make me better, from whom I could learn. But I don't need a leader who is blind in terms of where to go. Leadership is about being clear and knowing where to lead people. If you don't know what you do, what you could promise people, it's not leadership. It's rank. Hey, now, ouch. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. And therefore, we have a tremendous problem at these particular days across all businesses. Unfortunately, far less good leaders and far more non-leaders that pretend to be a leader regardless of the country. And I often ask, okay, what's the difference between, for instance, American leader and Russian leader or UK leader and Indian leader, you know, or people from Nigeria or South Africa? It doesn't matter. The difference is between leaders and non-leaders. Yeah. Um, Before we close the session, I mean, I often ask this question to all my guests to share their predictions about the future. And given that we're talking about vision and you've decoded the vision, you found the vision code, 
tell us 10 years to 20 years from now, what does the future of leadership look like? When you see leadership, what does it look like? One, we definitely need more true leaders. We'll be much more effective, much more successful. People will be more satisfied and more effective. Point B, many times more people talk about how to do, but fathers, people hardly touching a very important part of leadership, how to think. And that would tremendously will change the way we understand leadership. Because leadership is the way we think. And that would define the way we act and so execute things. And I think we are standing at the position of rethinking the role of leadership. It's not shouting. It's not proclaiming something. It's about rethinking the way we are looking at the future. And I believe those two aspects will define the role of visionary leadership, a role of strategic leadership, a role of people leadership, and how all those elements work together. Therefore, I strongly believe when we start exploring new fields within 10 years' time, the leadership will look much stronger than today. Beautiful. Those are the predictions. We need more true leaders. We need to rethink how we define leadership and there is an opportunity to create more strong leaders for the future. Dr. Oleg, this has been my joy and privilege to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time. All kudos to you for your brilliant questions because all starts with the questions. (laughs) Thank you. As they say, good questions inform, great questions transform. You have transformed my life in how you answered every question I asked today. I'm truly humbled. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. This conversation has been mind-blowing for me. It reminds me of the famous quote that the future belongs to those who can learn, unlearn, and relearn. Following this conversation, I have to reflect on my own personal vision and ask myself if it will outlive me. I hope you are inspired to revisit your personal and organizational vision. If you liked what you've heard and want to explore more, Head over to coachhub.com to learn how we democratize coaching across all career levels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other streaming platform, please give us a rating and leave a comment. In our next episode, we'll dig into the neuroscience behind leadership with Dr. Kenneth Novak. We'll discuss the latest research on neuroleadership and sustaining high performance with psychological safety. I hope you join me for our conversation. From everyone at Coach Hub Studios, have a wonderful day. Happiness.